0: In a world called Craig's List. Oh, for a muse of fire that would ascend the brightest heaven of invention. A podcast for your ears. Movies to rate craig's listeners to behold the improv scene then should the warlike carla like herself assume the port of mars and with her quotes leashed in like benny should famine sword and fire crouch for employment but pardon gentles all the flat four-track zoom recorder that hath dared on this unworthy itunes to bring forth so great a movie can this podcast hold the vasty fields of France, or may we cram within this wooden o oh, the very casks that did affright the air at Agincourt? Admit me, chorus, to this history. Who, prologue like, your humble patience, pray, gently to download, kindly to tweet about our play.
1: Wow, did you write all of that yourself?
0: <laughs> I wrote that whole thing. It's a completely original Whoa. opening monologue Dude, in you're perfect talented. perfect iambic pentameter. Uh,
2: you know, part of it was just me riffing. I mean, I had a few <laughs> ideas of where I would go with it, but wow. that was mostly improvised. Oh, I mean, it's not like I took the entire opening speech of chorus from William Shakespeare's Henry V and just put random words like podcast and download. No, you would never do something no. that cheap. That is cheap. Uh and you know, Shakespeare's work is all public domain, of course, so Oh, yeah. You know, he doesn't get any royalties, so it's especially unfair to wonder to there, trade upon his work.
1: Wonder if there's been other times where we like did, said something we weren't supposed to. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Used somebody else's text within the context uh-huh. of this podcast? Uh huh.
2: I think it's all technically in the realm of, uh, it's either satire, you know, satire is permitted, right?
1: No, it's as smart as satire. <laughs>
2: um, I know that on John Dinerstein's podcast, they can play long clips of music because it's like an academic study of it,
1: oh. you know?
2: They're not you. It's not for commercial use. Got it. I don't know uh copyright lawyers who are listening. <laughs> <laughs> Tweet at us. Let us know. Did I violate no, something sense. by plugging in words to William Shakespeare's beautiful verse?
1: I've been thinking about getting a tattoo,
2: by the way. Oh, okay.
1: And I was doing research.
2: Segway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was doing research earlier today on the plane coming to Los Angeles. Okay. Not on the plane, in the airport, Mm because I don't ever pay for internet. I don't know why. Even though it's inexpensive now, I feel like I'm being ripped off.
2: Paying for internet on a plane or at an airport? Yeah, that's bullshit.
1: It's bullshit. So I was using the free internet at the airport, researching tattoos, and if I could just take somebody else's art and have somebody else do it on your body, do Mm -hmm. it on my body. Mm -hmm. And I guess you're not supposed to do that, which makes sense. Sure. I mean, okay. I knew it was wrong, which is why I was googling if it was okay.
2: <laughs> what work of art were you thinking about putting on your know. body? I
1: haven't thought yet. Okay. I haven't thought about it yet. Uh huh. A Campbell
2: soup can.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Uh, but anyway.
2: Guernica. Are you gonna have guernica, guernica on your back? Oh my god, sure. that'd be amazing. That'd be it'd take a while.
1: You'd fall in love with me even more. <laughs> <laughs> even harder. Yeah. <laughs> um anyways, my point is is that I was I kind of thought it would be wrong because I am an artist (laughs) Yes, and I don't want people using my shit, but I also thought, well, maybe with tattoos, like how would they know, which I guess they wouldn't unless it was on social media. That's right. Good night. (laughs) 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 Uh, uh.
0: Well, uh, hi guys. It's, uh, it's,
2: it's, (laughs) it's. We're just uh, jumping in into the middle of our relationship here. Hi, Craig's listeners. Hi, uh, Craig. <laughs> uh, Carla is in the room with me. We're sorry about the delay on this episode, but we knew uh, we, our schedules just did not line up to record this in time, and we knew that Carla would be visiting Los Angeles this weekend. We're getting, I think, three podcasts done this weekend, so we're yep. going to be a, a little ahead for the time being, of course, we'll fall behind in a couple months. Uh, but for right now, we're we're getting ahead. And this is episode 64 on Craigslist. This is all about my number
0: 37 movie. It's a 1989 Shakespearean adaptation of the play Henry V by director and actor
2: Kenneth Branagh.
1: I just call him Ken.
2: Ken. <laughs> You're pretty close with him. Yeah and uh and so, I'm Craig Kikowski, and my wife, Carla Kikowski, is here. We're in the same room now, uh
1: you already said that?
2: I know, I know, but I'm just so excited, I'm so excited to be looking at her.
1: Oh, uh, it's so much better, word.
2: so much better than doing it over the phone, yeah, and when I say doing it, I mean phone sex,
1: oh, gross, <laughs> gross uh, that you would say it,
2: yes, um. <laughs> However, we did watch this movie separately, which means there's only a few Carla's Quotes, which are the things that you bothered to text me while right. watching it.
1: Yeah, which weren't that many things, I don't think. Oh, I did kind of document it on my Insta stories, and uh, some people responded to me like, oh, I'm watching that too this week or whatever. Oh, cool. Um, Which was cool.
2: It feels like the Craig's listeners have been pretty good about – uh anticipating the movie and uh and watching along with us i think that's really cool it
1: is really cool that people
2: are doing that
1: you guys don't have to
2: (laughs) (laughs) i think you do (laughs) to really appreciate it yes absolutely uh what are you gonna do in los angeles this weekend
1: we're having dinner with friends tonight Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go watch your largo show your thrilling adventure show tomorrow
2: yeah not really a thrilling adventure show we're just singing some songs
1: Right. So you're doing but, that thrilling adventure thing, which is <laughs> making up another show that's not thrilling adventure hour with the same people.
2: <laughs> hey, you bought a ticket. <laughs> Got you yeah. hooked.
1: And then Sunday, we're having
2: Super Bowl, lunch with right? Friends. <laughs> Uh, who, uh, who do you think, Patriots or Eagles this year?
1: Uh, Schmeagles.
2: <laughs> you think the Schmeagles are gonna win? <laughs> That's that all uh, Lord of the Rings team, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually gonna watch this year. <laughs> uh, you'll probably watch the Puppy Ball though, right?
1: I don't know. I probably won't watch any of it. We'll be at our friend's house. I'll be talking to them.
2: Okay. What else? Who also
1: don't give a shit about the Super
2: Bowl. (laughs) I
1: think I went to the same friend's house last year. We
2: did. And and you did
1: not, (laughs) though. You stayed at home.
2: No, no. I went to, I went to the party,
1: but only after your person or your team wasn't winning.
2: Actually, uh, it was one of the most exciting Super Bowl finishes in years. It went into overtime and we were, I think we were playing board games. Oh. And Atlanta got a huge lead, and so then well, we were kind of following along online, and we we're like, oh, okay, well they're obviously going to win this one. Uh, and then New England came back and uh, and beat them, and it was it was a super exciting finish.
1: Now that you recall it for me, I can confirm that it's all coming. But back I love to that you. in my memory it was <laughs> you didn't come at all;
2: <laughs> that
1: you stayed at home. Ah, uh, I don't remember you being there.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was there. I was there.
1: It was the first year, first time I made a pie.
2: That's right. You made a apple pie mm-hmm. that was delish. Yep. Uh, well, it's so great to have you back home.
1: I haven't touched an oven since that day.
2: <laughs> Nor should you. It was a terrible pie. Uh, <laughs> it, no, was it, no, was it was not. No, it was very good. good. It was very good. It uh, just
1: goes to prove I can put anything that I said. I can what? I can make anything happen that I set my mind
2: to.
1: <laughs> All right. Go ahead. Let's
2: do this movie. <laughs> you want to talk about today's movie? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, you a Shakespeare fan?
1: Um. Yes.
2: Uh, I mean, we're both theater yeah, nerds, that's right? that's
1: what it is. I, I'm aware of Shakespearean text.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware of Shakespearean text. I
1: uh, have the knowledge of a theater student. Uh, uh-huh. So... But am I a fan? Here's what. Okay, maybe this is too soon to
2: talk about. No, this, no, let's bring I'm it going out. To
1: say it. Yeah, bring out. Here's what I realized watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Nah, I'm done with Shakespeare. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> like you're just done with him.
1: <laughs> I think I'm just done.
2: Time's up, Shakespeare. I
1: think you know I've seen and read and done monologues from all the highlights over the past thirty years. Because I for sure didn't read it, it before I was nine. Uh-huh. Just kidding, I'm thirty-seven. I'm doing <laughs> mad. What's happening? Uh, we did have beers, afternoon beers. They
2: don't need to know that.
1: <laughs> um. But when we were in London last year, we saw a Shakespearean play, right?
2: We saw the first act of Cymbeline that's and what then it we was. we left it in intermission. Not, not was, because
1: we were bored. Remember? We were like this is a totally wonderful production of this show. It
2: was a cool production of and, a play that's not done very often yes. and is not considered one of his best.
1: And it would the cast was like just very impressive, super diverse. Like it was a really it was the Royal Shakespeare Academy, right? The
2: RSC. Well the the Royal Shakespeare Company. Company. Yeah.
1: Uh, we spent a lot of money on the tickets. We did not fall asleep. We really enjoyed it. And then at intermission, we looked at each other we were like, You want to go? Let's get out of here.
2: Let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And we had the same conversation, which was like, maybe I'm just done with, sh- maybe I've just seen all the Shakespeare that I need to see. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: And I, I'm going to double down on that with this movie. I definitely felt that watching this movie. Like, you know what? I just don't think any... I think I've seen all the good stuff and oh. I don't need any more.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: Well, this is the only Shakespearean adaptation, uh, on my list. Uh, there's a fair amount of, uh, movies that originated as Broadway shows or as plays or as musicals, uh, on my list. It's always hard to translate something from the stage to the screen, mm-hmm. uh, Obviously, as the only Shakespeare movie on my list, I think it's the best adaptation that's ever been done for the big screen, uh, of, uh, of Bill's work. Yeah. Um, but, uh. Did I
1: think that? I don't know if I think that. Do
2: you have a favorite Shakespearean film I adaptation? I think
1: I prefer Han- Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet to this one. Um,
2: I thought you were going to say much ado about nothing, but
1: I was just going to say, but. I think if you were to just ask me and I was just to re- have a knee-jerk response, it would be much to about nothing. Yeah. That was actually the first time that I had seen anything Shakespearean and felt like I, well, maybe that's not true. I liked Romeo and Juliet a lot, but you mean besides Ro- Romeo and Juliet. Romeo
2: plus Juliet?
1: <laughs> yes. But also I was a big fan of the uh, 70s. Did we just talk about this? I just had this conversation with someone.
2: <laughs> not on this podcast.
1: Uh... Where I was a big fan of the 70s Zeffirelli. Okay.
2: 1968. Yeah.
1: 68. I actually liked that when I was a kid too. Anyway, I remember
2: having to watch it in class in high school, but I don't think I've seen it since then, but it's It was nominated for best picture, the Zeffirelli, mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet. It's and very romantic. Considered to be very good. Yeah. I don't think
1: I've seen it since I was like 12, but,
2: okay.
1: and then yes, then um, I've never
2: seen the Baz Luhrmann one.
1: And it's great from what I remember. I should rewatch it. It's been years. However, besides those two, I think when I saw Much Do About Nothing, uh my friends Angie and Marissa were like, you have to see this. It's so fun. And I was like, what? Shakespeare's not funny. <laughs> and I watched it and I laughed a lot and I really loved it.
2: And was that your first encounter with Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson? When did uh, that come out? 93 yes. maybe?
1: No. My first... um I think the first time I saw Emma Thompson in anything was in Junior.
2: (laughs) Junior? What is Junior?
1: Isn't that the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Okay. Where he's pregnant?
2: Oh. (laughs) It's called Junior?
1: Isn't it? I think it is. I
2: didn't see it. I don't know it.
1: It's terrible. Uh,
2: But she's the love interest in that? She's
1: the love interest. And then I think the first thing I saw Kenneth Branagh in was the Frankenstein that he did.
2: Okay, that that, was after Much Ado though, right? Right,
1: but I was like 12 or 13 when Much Ado came out. Yeah. Like I watched Much Ado a couple years later. Gotcha. After it came out.
2: Okay. Okay. So you saw him in – he plays uh, Victor Frankenstein in that movie, which he directed as well. And I went to the
1: theater to see that. Yeah. And then my friend Angie was like, well, if you like this, then you're going to love Much Do About Nothing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no way, because Helena Bonham Carter and Kenneth Brenna are so amazing in Frankenstein together. (laughs) And Angie was like, well, before they were a couple – Kenneth Brenna and Emma Thompson were a real life couple and I was like that's crazy that doesn't make any sense and then I watched much ado about nothing and I was like oh this makes so much more sense
2: uh because I I think of you as big fans of both of those actors
1: but that was the beginning yeah so I was probably 14 I was probably it was probably freshman year in high school
2: okay so much ado was your gateway drug into Ken and Emma
1: god this is so boring isn't it
2: no <laughs>
0: not <laughs> to so me boring i'm uh, i'm fascinated i'm
1: just telling you the facts okay yes and then we would have slumber parties and we would watch frankenstein <laughs> about nothing Frankenstein, and dead again which is amazing
2: had we had more time, I kind of wanted to do a Carla's List where we do Dead Again and Much Ado because I know that you love both of those movies and that they're also Kenneth Brown and Emma we Thompson movies. We could still movies. do that.
1: It's funny because I texted Angie because I'm still – she's still my best friend and I told her that you were making me watch Henry V mm-hmm. and the last time that someone made me watch it was her.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: And I we had to turn it off because I was so – I couldn't – I was bored. I couldn't get into it, so it was like around this time where we were like, "Well, now we got to see this and we got to see that," and so then we watched. And in my memory, Angie thought Henry V was amazing. In her memory, she was the one who didn't want to watch it, really, or like she was bored. She thought she thought it was boring. Um, what was my point? Oh yeah, so then she said she texted and she was like, "You should just watch Dead Again instead of Henry V." <laughs>
0: <laughs> and
1: I was like, I know, but I only have one more pass,
0: <laughs> but I should have saved
1: it for this one because, but I'm glad I saw Henry V.
2: Yeah. You don't want to pass on this one. It's not bad. On I'm just
1: saying it would have been funny. It would have been a funny choice because <sighs> Dead Again's so great.
2: Well, it's pretty cheesy, but it's really fun.
1: It's super fun.
2: Uh, and Derek Jacobi is, uh, he uses a lot of the same actors in a lot of his movies too. Derek so.
1: Jacobi, I read this somewhere, is Kenneth Branagh's favorite actor.
2: Well, it, and Judy
1: it, Dench is his favorite actress.
2: Okay, well, he's used them uh several times in his movies. Richard Briers is the actor who's kind of his good look charm. His Hector Elizondo, mm-hmm. Richard Briers, I think, is in every yep. Kenneth Branagh movie. He plays um Bardolph in this one, and mm-hmm. then he's the Duke, right, in Much Ado. Yeah, or he's the the father of uh yes of uh what's her face Kate Beckinsale, mm-hmm. right um. Yeah, I mean, let's go to 1989,
1: okay? Debbie Gibson was on the radio. (laughs) I was wearing a fluorescent green shirt and jelly bracelets.
2: Okay, well, I'm in college.
1: (laughs) My number one crush was Nick
2: Woods. (laughs) I don't even know who Nick Woods is. Who is that? It
1: was just a guy that I liked in high school.
2: I thought that was a celebrity. Fourth grade. Okay.
1: And he wrote a skateboard.
2: Okay. My number one crush was William Shakespeare. Ugh. <laughs> I was a theater major at the College of William and Mary, the uh, the second oldest school in the United States after Harvard. Harvard was uh opened its doors first, William and Mary was chartered first. And uh I was <laughs> I was a theater that major its status. <laughs> I was a uh a sophomore theater major and I took every Shakespeare class you could. I took in the English department, uh, I took Shakespeare classes to study the text. And then in uh, the theater department, I took uh, like Alexander method, uh, you know, breathing technique classes. I took uh, a class where we had to work on different Shakespearean uh, soliloquies and monologues over the course of that. And in college, I did uh, Coriolanus uh romeo and juliet and uh comedy of errors i was in three shakespearean plays were you the friar
1: in romeo and juliet
2: i was not i was montague which is a pretty thankless part the capulets have big parts in romeo and juliet the Ah. montagues are kind of an afterthought you don't really get to know
1: i wonder if that's paul sorvino and the Lerman one
2: there's no way to find out
1: um what was the third one you said
2: uh comedy of errors?
1: Oh, that's a fun one.
2: Comedy of errors we did uh rather than do it in Roman dress, we did an all clown version of it. So mm-hmm. I was the father of the twins, whatever his name is, and I was made up like Emmett Kelly, like classic sad face clown with like a bowler hat and suspenders and everything. I don't
1: like that choice. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, be you know, very you've, hard got to connect to, to
1: that. you've
2: got to update the work of the bard sometimes, By Carla. You people clowns.
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't think that that follows what you. This just is. Said. Part, this was
2: part of the Virginia Shakespeare Festival. We had a hotshot director coming in from Texas. Oh, uh, yeah, who was a very experienced Shakespearean director, and he thought that was the best way of bringing the the work of uh, Comedy of Errors to the stage.
1: Who did you play in Coriolanus?
2: Coriolanus. I was Caminius, who was one of the generals.
1: I was going to pretend like I knew who that guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one who kills his daughter, right?
2: Coriolanus? Are you thinking of Titus Andronicus? I'm
1: thinking of Titus Andronicus.
2: Did you see that movie, the Julie Taymor no, movie? Okay.
1: But I did a monologue from that.
2: There is uh, a Coriolanus movie that Ray Fiennes did that he... Oh, that you
1: liked a lot, right?
2: I, I did like it, where he translates it to the present day.
1: I remember you liking that.
2: Yeah, so I I, I think... When you adapt Shakespeare for the big screen, there's a mix of ones that have uh, taken it into the present day and there's a mix of ones that are doing it more in the traditional uh, style. There's a lot of boring Shakespeare movies out there. And there's a lot that are really exciting and fun. Like it, it it's hard to make it cinematic. But segue, I'm getting a tattoo. No, segue. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think, first of all, this is Kenneth Branagh's film debut as director. And I, I think he had, had maybe a couple of small parts as an actor before this, but he was pretty much an unknown in America. And this yeah. is a, this is a big splash, yeah. uh, for his first movie. And he was nominated for Oscars, uh, for acting and directing. Um, he actually, had he won, that year he lost to Daniel Day Lewis for My Left Foot. He would have been the youngest man ever to have won Best Actor at that point.
1: Wow. How old was he?
2: I believe he was twenty-nine or thirty.
1: Wow. The
2: record holder at that point was Richard Dreyfus for The Goodbye Girl. I love
1: that movie. Uh
2: since then the record has been broken by Adrian Brody for the pianist. I love that movie. Um so that and that's still the youngest actor who's ever won. Nobody younger than I think wow. Adrian Brody was maybe twenty-seven. If Timothy Chalamet wins this year, he would be the youngest winner.
1: Timothy Chalamet was in what?
2: Call Me By Your Name.
1: Oh, I haven't seen that yet.
2: <laughs> you got to get around to it, Carla, because we're going to be doing our year-end Oscar special know, pretty I've soon. I have had such
1: a hard time this year. I've been so busy, <laughs> and I don't want to just sit through movies I don't want to see.
2: <laughs> I will
0: watch
1: Call Me By Your Name, though.
2: All right. I gave you the disc. I know. <laughs> uh but I was dragged to this movie not knowing anything other than it's a Shakespearean adaptation. And I didn't know Henry V. It's a history play. You know, the The Shakespeare uh, plays are traditionally uh, segmented in, into the the comedies. Uh, you know, you're all's well that ends well. You're much ado about nothing. You're Twelfth Night. The tragedies, the big ones being Lear, Othello, Hamlet, Macbeth. Um then there's also, I think, the, the romances, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like the tempest and the Winter's tale. There's only a couple that are in that category. And then the histories, which is all of the king plays. Uh, King Henry VI part one and Hen- King Henry VI part two, King Henry VI part three. Richard the II, Second, Richard the Third, Henry the Fourth, Part One, Henry the Fourth, Part Two, King John, King Henry the Fifth, you know
1: Oh my God, I'm so <laughs> bored right now.
2: <laughs> and I think uh along with Henry the Fourth, Part One and Richard the Second, uh Richard the Third, I guess, uh this is considered to be one of the better ones that he wrote. But a lot of them are kind of uh dry, you know, by Shakespearean standards. Because he's he's pulling from the actual historical records of uh, the kings of England.
1: Um, I think I can still do the opening to Bunch of Nothing. Do you want to hear it?
2: Uh, sure. <laughs> Segway.
1: <laughs> sigh no more, ladies. Sigh no more. Men were deceivers ever. One foot in sea and one on shore. To one thing constant never. Then sigh not so, but let them go and be you blithe and bonny, Forgetting all your sounds of woe into hey nonny nonny that last line's wrong but the rest of it was really good
2: it did rhyme with bonnie bonnie and hey nonny nonny
1: uh it's not forgetting it's converting all your sounds of woe into hey nonny nonny that's awesome she yells emma thompson
2: that's the opening lines
1: yeah that's how it starts
2: okay uh that was pretty great thank you did you have to memorize that for a class nope you just memorized it because you like it. Yeah.
1: I think I yeah. still know all of the, um, Beatrice and Benedict scenes too. Wow. Like if we watched a movie, I could do all of
0: the.
2: Well, I think that's the fun of much ado is that it really, you know, makes it feel contemporary and fun. And like you actually get the jokes that are mm-hmm. in there. Uh, I love Denzel Washington's line reading on, uh, you put him down, lady. You put him down. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's good. Uh, it's
1: good Michael okay.
2: Keaton I don't know like that dogberry stuff is, is not I that funny it. no matter what I thought Keanu Reeves was
1: good in that movie
2: yeah Kate I don't know
1: Beckinsale's good in that movie
2: well we're not talking about much ado everybody today.
1: is cast uh, perfectly
2: okay it's 1989 another summer um, sound of Michael the funky Jackson drummer
1: <laughs> is playing on the radio
2: <laughs> I was trying to do the lyrics of fight the power oh sorry um <laughs> But uh I was dragged to see Henry V at a theater in Washington, D.C. I think I must have been home for Christmas break because I think it would have been released like right around just before the end of the year, like at Oscar time. And my friend Curtis, who was also a theater major, somehow knew about Kenneth Branagh already. Maybe he'd gone to England and seen him in, in something at the RSC or maybe he'd seen – uh some PBS adaptation he did, but he's like, this guy is the new Olivier and we got to go see this movie. <laughs> so I went to see Henry V with like five or six theater majors, uh, at a theater in DC. And I remember when at the beginning of the movie, when it's going through the credits and it says in big letters written by William Shakespeare that we all went, "Whoa!" <laughs> we were Why? like because we were nerds
1: oh that's so cute we were
2: nerds and theater majors and uh that's cute other than this was a shakespeare play i really didn't know anything about the arc uh of it and i was just blown away it was to this day one of the most like visceral theater experiences i've ever had really seeing this oh, I movie love that
1: that's really sweet
2: and i think the thing that uh this is the history of uh of henry V, who followed his father henry the fourth so and this is part of a tetralogy mm-hmm. do you know what a tetralogy is carla
1: um it has something to do with um a video game where you <laughs> match shapes so that they fit together
2: you're looking for one of those straight fouries <laughs> to come straight down and knock all your levels uh no a tetralogy carla is like a trilogy except four
1: yeah. Thank you.
2: So this is the end of a tetralogy that starts with Richard II. And then Richard II is about Henry the how Henry the Fourth becomes uh president, I was about to say, king. <laughs> um and so during the Henry the Fourth plays, uh the future Henry V is Prince Hal, who is kind of this uh this young uh layabout rebellious youth who's hanging out in bars with his friend Falstaff. Uh and so Henry V is kind of how this uh, rebellious youth becomes uh, a real leader and a real king. And he leads the English forces uh, to battle against the superior number of French forces at the Battle of Agincourt. Uh, Of course, I didn't know any of that when I saw the movie. Mm -hmm. But I loved the tonal shifts of it. Uh, To me, it's got like battle scenes that are worthy of Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings. And then it ends on like a 15 minute romantic comedy yeah, uh, it with, does. with him and Emma Thompson, which <laughs> is them being just as charming and fun as they are in Much Ado. And I had no idea that any of that stuff was in the play. And it was such a pleasant surprise to see this, this heavy intense movie that ends on this light comic scene. And talking about charisma, uh, I mean, I, I still think to this day that Kenneth Branagh is one of my favorite actors. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to see this young guy who just destroying these Shakespearean speeches and making it feel so real and contemporary and intense. Uh, I was blown away. And every time I come back to this movie, I, I like it a little more.
1: Yeah. I, uh, we were just ta- who are we talking to about Kenneth Branagh with, with in the last couple of weeks? I feel like I hijacked a conversation where a guy was like, he's over the top and theatrical. And the woman was trying to defend why Kenneth Branagh is great. And Uh I was like, he is great. The thing that I love about Kenneth Branagh is that he is... I mean, all the things we've already said, but you know what you're getting with Kenneth Branagh. Sure. Like,
2: uh, He's the theater actor.
1: Right. So when people are complaining about Murder on the Orient Express, it's not a – whatever. It's it's a fun movie. It's not a great movie. Is that Did I say the right title?
2: Yeah. Murder on okay. the Orient Express. We saw it when we were important yeah. a couple months Some, ago. This yeah. guy
1: was complaining about how over-the-top Kenneth Branagh is in it. And I'm like, oh, you don't walk into a movie with Kenneth Branagh and expect anything less. <laughs> like you have to know what you're getting. He's already I mean, he's done enough things that that people like we should understand that this is what he brings to a thing. Is very committed, very theatrical. Um big, broad, fun.
0: Yeah.
2: Also it's Agatha Christie. I mean, right. it's like it's cheesy. He's Hercule Poirot. Right. Uh, I think we thought the same thing about Johnny Depp in Orient Express of like Johnny Depp is kind of I mean he's not uh, a stage actor, but he's kind of theatrical for a movie actor and then yeah. he makes big choices and uh, but he's very charismatic and in the right role, you know, you can really believe him, you know yeah, and it's I guess- possible to make big choices and still feel like you are real up there,
1: right. And I guess it was, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to sound like I'm defending that movie because I, it's not a great movie and you, and everybody has every right to like, not like that movie, (laughs) but I just think, you know, complaining about how theatrical Kenneth Branagh is, is such a boring argument because what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Like that's exactly who he is as an actor. Yes in everything that i've ever seen him in.
2: Yeah. Are you complaining that uh Nicolas Cage was over the top? I mean, like if you're going to see a Nicolas Cage movie, of, like, right. you you know what you're expecting. You know what you're getting, yeah. you know. And that's one thing i like about acting that there's a wide range mm-hmm. of people whose work i admire, you know, that are on different parts of the scale, you know. Uh Meryl Streep is a little more mannered, mm-hmm. you know, and theatrical than other actresses, but uh but she's fantastic.
1: Well, yeah, she's the best actress that's ever walked this
2: earth. <laughs> oh, if only I put one of her movies on my list. If <laughs> only I could find space in my top 100. But uh, yeah, I just couldn't.
1: Ugh. Um, I just bought a bunch of Meryl Streep stickers in food.
2: What? <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's somebody on Etsy who takes pictures of Meryl Streep's and put her in like sushi <laughs> or <laughs> hot sauce. What?
2: It makes give sense. me an example i don't know i don't understand what you're well, talking I about i just
1: did <laughs> <laughs> like there's a picture of meryl in like a, a green blouse or something from the 90s okay and this woman this artist from etsy took that and photoshopped it into a piece of avocado toast <laughs> <laughs> and there's another one of her in like a peach jumpsuit like kicking her leg up and the woman took a Lacroix, a Pamplemousse Lacroix, and photoshopped it so it looks like she's straddling okay. a Lacroix.
2: So you're getting stickers. <laughs> so I think I
1: ordered like 15 of them.
2: Stickers <laughs> that you can just put on things. Yeah. Okay. And you're, a you're not getting you're not getting the actual avocado toast.
1: No, 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 no. Okay. Didn't I say stickers?
2: You did say st- you said stickers on food, but I still oh, like th- I sorry. don't I don't understand what that is. So. Uh, that you clarified it. It's now called I Taste
1: of Streep. Everybody, go follow this woman on Instagram. It's okay. really funny.
2: Taste of Streep.
1: And there's one with a donut and a hamburger. <laughs> I really like the hamburger one too. What are we talking about?
2: Uh, we're talking about Henry V. Great. Yeah, I mean, he is—he's uh, theatrical, but uh, to me, he—he he was the new Olivier at the time, you know. Uh, Lawrence Olivier's directorial debut was also Henry V. And that's how he uh, first made a, uh, a splash. Well, this might have been after he did Weathering Heights, I think. But as a director, his first movie was Henry V. Uh, and then Olivier did a Hamlet adaptation, which won Best Picture at the Oscars. And his I did Hamlet. Not like
1: that. Really? I, I've seen it.
2: I, I liked his Hamlet. It's very streamlined. Like it's less than two hours long and he cuts a lot of characters like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. When Brana did uh Hamlet, he famously incorporated all of the lines from the play that are sometimes cut and bring in characters like Fortinbras and Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, Right. Um which uh which is a choice, you know. I, I like the Brana Hamlet quite a bit. But to me, he really brings this text to life and makes a lot of cinematic choices to make it exciting too. Yeah. I mean the main advantage you have on film in doing Shakespeare that you don't get on stage is close-ups is that you can get to really see those little moments between the lines of seeing the characters relating and understand the subtext of of what's going on because a lot of times the text is going to fly right over your head because they're using this you know an uh, arcane language Mm -hmm. Um, you can always Appreciate the beauty of the verse, but if you don't really understand what the character is feeling in that moment, um, then you're, you're gonna tune out. Uh, but I think he, first of all, has a lot of good actors in this and just to like a lot of good, uh, close ups and little character moments that really tell you the subtext of what's going on. For instance, the beginning, uh, well, I want to talk a little more about Derek Jacobi in a moment, but after the chorus, does his prologue, uh, we open on a shot of Canterbury and another archbishop kind of discussing whether Henry V is uh, allowed to conquer France and, you know, take his title there or whatever. And then so then uh, Canterbury comes into the court and gives this long, boring speech about the whole history of his lineage in England and France and everything. But it actually is played like an old guy giving a boring speech. Yeah, and that's so, great. and so like the other characters are kind of like rolling their eyes. And then when he's finally done, King Henry's like, may and I, good, may, I, may I in good conscience make this claim, which is like, like just get to the point, old right. man, you know? And I, I feel like if you see it on stage, it's just gonna play as an old guy giving a boring Shakespearean speech, but you, it's brought to life by the way he moves the camera around, I think.
1: Yeah, I, um, just because I said that I feel like I'm done with Shakespeare doesn't mean I didn't think this was a, a great movie. It really was. And I was very impressed with how cinematic it was. And I know the story of him having done it on stage. And, uh, this is something I read years ago, and I should have, <laughs> Fact check before I say it out loud. But I remember reading once that there was a – uh there was like a guy who had like a – I want to say he had like a beer company or something.
2: <laughs>
1: and he saw – Adolf course, He saw this – not a beer company, but it was some – he's like a business guy, a businessman. Okay. And he went and saw Kenneth Brennan's Henry V and went up to him and was like, I'm going to give you such and such amount of money to make a movie out of this. And that's how it was made. Really? So it was – oh god i hope i'm not making all this stuff up but it was made totally out of the hollywood system yes uh just based on this invest investor and so he had free reign really to do whatever and he was just kind of piecing it together with favors and friends and and when i think about that it's even more impressive of how professional the whole thing looks
2: it looks great but it's clearly like Relatively low budget, right? You know, uh particularly when they have the big climactic battle of like yes, it's clear scenes. that there's no more than a few dozen people yeah, out there on the it's field, like, you know.
1: Uh, close-ups of like four men standing together, <laughs> and then it cuts to yeah, five men standing together.
2: And it's a, it's the Battle of Agincourt when supposedly I think the French lost like ten thousand at that battle, or like they had ten thousand soldiers or whatever, you know, and. Yeah, I mean, if you really concentrate on it, you're like, there's not that many people (laughs) there. But I mean, in the moment, like it's it's staged very well, you know, with his limited resources, and it's very exciting and you know, muddy and and brutal. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I I think he did a great job with the resources that he had.
1: He has very thin lips. Ken. Mm -hmm. Mm Mhm. Like he has basically no upper lip. (laughs) Did you notice that?
2: Um, I guess I guess you're right. I think that's right. How does, that, how does that help him as an actor?
1: I actually wonder if it makes if it it makes him more interesting. <laughs> I was thinking that watching this. I was like, huh. Because he can speak so quickly.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, Henry V has been staged as an anti war play. Oh, I bet you were going to talk about his thin lip for a second. I have nothing else to say about <laughs> his thin lips. <laughs> uh, it's been staged as
1: Yeah, it's been staged
2: as, (laughs) as an anti-war play and as a patriotic play, because obviously it's a, it's a big victory, uh, in, in British history. And it is kind of like their 300 or it, it it is Mm -hmm. like a, you know, the, the Hoosiers. It's a big sports upset, basically of like this smaller, uh, ragtag, you know, British troops, uh, defeating the French. Um, but Henry is kind of an ambiguous character and. Uh, I think Brana does a good job of showing both kind of like the, the machinations of, uh, you know, there is a, a scene where there's these three guys who were his friends who had a conspiracy against them and he has them executed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the the big once more into the breach uh, speech where, you know, he's very kind of warlike and making all these threats, but then shows mercy in the end. And you show like his tender side at the end when he's wooing. Uh, Princess Catherine, uh, of France. So he has so many different personalities over the different scenes of it, um, that it really could be staged in a lot of different ways. And definitely the Olivier version in the forties was much more kind of, uh, ballyhoo. Uh, British patriotism. Right. Um, and this one, I think he does kind of emerge as a hero, but then it's also kind of like the, the battle scenes are definitely grittier and grimier and, and ugly.
1: Let's talk about Emma Thompson's French.
2: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was one of the things that definitely surprised me in watching it the first time, which is you suddenly cut to this shot of, uh, the, princess of france and her lady in waiting and they're talking entirely in french and they're just she's teaching her the english words for different body parts
1: Mm -hmm. the finger right
2: the nails the nails the elbow. yeah (laughs) and that's exactly how shakespeare wrote her shakespeare wrote that scene in french with like those english words and so it is verbatim uh as it was written it's it's kind of weird uh her french is pretty good right
1: How come – yes, very good. How come they speak French but nobody else speaks French?
2: (laughs) Well, yeah. Then Paul Schofield, our friend from Quiz Show. Oh, yeah. He was Mark Van Doren uh, in Quiz Show, plays the king of France in this. And then when you see the court of France, they're just English. Yeah. And they're talking in English. It's...
1: But they're acting French. <laughs> but meaning, they're acting like...
2: for Well, you can tell they're French because they all have really bad haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. His son is the Dauphin or the Dolphin. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Shakespeare, it's written Dolphin. I looked at the play. Whoa. Uh, they write it as Dolphin throughout, which I guess is the the equivalent of the Dauphin. Uh but then uh in the Branham movie there's good uh mile comic mileage out of the English saying dolphin and him insisting Dauphin mm-hmm. and he's like the uh, he's like the Prince Hal equivalent where he's like this hot headed asshole douchebag mm-hmm. <laughs> with, with a bad mullet. Uh I, I I like all that stuff between the uh the French and the English and it of contrasting. Paul them. Paul feel it's
1: supposed to be a good guy though, right?
2: yeah i i think so and then you know the the kingdoms get aligned at the end you know when henry and Catherine marry yeah i think the the way that paul schofield is playing it is that basically king charles like sees the writing on the wall and knows that he's gonna lose this uh this battle uh and paul schofield is great at just kind of like playing an old sad guy yeah he is um Derek Jacobi as Chorus. Mm-hmm. So Chorus is basically uh, the, narrator. the narrator of the play. Uh, and then Branagh's decision was to have Derek Jacobi entirely in contemporary dress, just mm-hmm. whatever he's wearing, uh, just popping up in this, uh, I, I guess it's like 15th century <laughs> England. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, first of all, Derek Jacobi is enormously entertaining as chorus, but then also it's kind of funny too. Yeah. And I think some of it is played for laughs. There's literally a moment where he flips his scarf over his shoulder mm-hmm. as he's walking away. Just classic. There's another thing after Bardolph is hanged where he kind of shows up at the foot of like the hanged body and then kind of like rolls his eyes at yeah. him. Like, and then there's another scene at the, uh, the once more into to the breach where chorus is literally like yelling his lines at the battlefield, like in the trenches. And it's both like good acting and really funny (laughs) to me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's wonderful.
2: And, and he's so over the top of how he says, Oh (laughs) boy. And as he thrusts open, uh, the wooden doors, uh, onto the, uh, the court. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I just think, all the decisions he made in, uh, weaving chorus into the movie are, are so cool.
1: What was the sitcom that we loved with both him and?
2: Vicious. Vicious with Ian McKellen and Derek Jacobi. They're,
1: they're not making any more of those, right?
2: I think they only made 12 of them, like one of those two season I BBC shows. It's so funny,
1: it's really funny,
2: and it partially just because it's like such an old school multi cam sitcom with mm-hmm. really jokey jokes, yeah, but delivered but by two of the so best incredible. actors of all time, <laughs> yeah. And Derek Jacoby in particular, cause his character is, cause Ian McKellen is so mean to him mm-hmm. <laughs> and his character is so sweet, lovable yeah. and sweet in it. Yeah. It's just a, uh, it's a great relationship. Um, and then of course he used Derek Jacoby again as. Well, I, I I don't want to say who he is in Dead Again if you haven't seen the movie, because <laughs> uh, that's part of the fun. He's just a guy. He's just a guy. He's a guy. And then did he play Claudius in uh, the Branagh Hamlet?
0: I think.
1: Gosh, I can't remember. He's in it for sure, sure.
2: <laughs> and then of course, for
1: sure, sure.
2: <laughs> our friend, uh, uh, actor in six Craigslist movies, Mr. Ian Holm. Is in this as well. Oh,
1: right. Who was he in this? He was
2: Flewellyn, who is the Welsh captain in the uh, army. So, crazy. uh, I believe we still have one more Ian Holm appearance still to come. I did count and Robert De Niro is in as many Craigslist movies as Ian Holm is. I think they're in six each. So I okay. think they, they share. I
1: couldn't find one spot for Meryl Streep.
2: <laughs> they share the record. Um,
1: I said Meryl Streep, just you know. What'd you say? I said Merle's. I said Male.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Male Streep. Yeah. Male Streep. You might need a nap, Carla. I'm tired. Okay. Well, let's go through the movie chronologically a little bit, or at least the first 15 minutes, which is all the quotes (laughs) that I have with a segment that we like to call Carla's Quotes.
1: She's sowing her oats, and Craig's taking notes. (laughs)
0: She's feeling her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's quotes.
2: Now, I knew that Carla was gonna watch the movie on her own at some point, and you know the deal is when we watch it separately, she just starts, you know, should text me uh, her thoughts as it's happening, which I can use as quotes later. But I, I didn't know that you're sitting down to watch the movie, and so I got a text from you. Does Orion pictures still exist? <laughs> And then I wrote back, you want an answer or is that a Carlos quote? <laughs> and she said, uh, and then I got, is Christian Bale
0: British? Both. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so you were already texting ahead and, uh, and answering my question. Yeah. Uh, Orion apparently folded in the mid nineties because they were like one of the, <coughs> uh, prestige, um, Production companies, right? Uh, I think they won the Oscar four times in eight years for Best Picture. Wow. Amadeus, Platoon, and uh Silence of the Lambs were all Orion pictures. They did a lot of Woody Allen movies at the time. But then they folded in the mid-90s, but uh, MGM recently revived the Orion label. Hmm. So this was an Orion film. And yeah, Christian
0: Bale is British.
2: Did you not know that?
1: I think I forgot.
2: Uh That to me is another – Fun of, of watching this movie is just seeing, you know, those actors that we mentioned, uh, but seeing Judy Dench, mm-hmm. she's uh,
0: great.
2: who's always great, but, uh, but we're so used to her being royalty or kind of like old, stuck up, high, status. high yeah. status women. And she's more of like a cockney. She's mistress quickly quickly who runs the the tavern you know i, mean, I
1: guess she's still technically high status in this she
2: is she's higher status sassy. but she's lower class yeah yeah totally so to play yeah, her lower I class character that. that's a really good point point. and to see christian bale who had uh made his debut famously a couple years earlier in steven spielberg's empire of the sun mm-hmm. so you see like a 14 year old christian bale in this uh he's a young boy who is
1: you know, I think I always forget because a lot of stuff that he did when he was younger, he didn't have a British accent for like little women.
2: Yeah. I think – I believe he actually may be an American citizen now because I think he's lived in L.A. since he was like 18. Oh, okay. But he was definitely born and raised in uh, in the U.K.
1: The Son is such a good movie. I should watch that again.
2: I recently rewatched it and didn't. I didn't dig it that much when I first saw it I, really? and, and I was like I need to catch up with this movie because maybe I missed the boat in 1987 when it came out and I didn't like it that much when I saw it really? again okay yeah and I'm a big Spielberg fan we know <laughs> Uh here's some just rapid fire Carla's quotes on the first uh, 15 minutes or so of the movie good prologue Derek Jacoby Ken has a baby face you didn't say anything about his lips I don't know what he's saying but I like the way he's saying it <laughs> What? I don't know what he's saying, but I like the way he's saying it.
1: Oh, I thought you said sang.
2: I, I like, and when he has that big production number, that's great. When he just bursts into song. But he
1: did do, Lo- what was it? Love's Labor's Lost and made it into a musical.
2: Yeah, we I never saw that one.
1: It wasn't that great. I should go back and watch it.
2: Uh, you might have an Empire of the Sun moment with that one. Um, I, I didn't
1: really like it when I saw it, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, I follow what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: when the French messenger comes in, that is one uh, one thing that Brana did is use the same messenger. It's written as different characters in the actual play, but he uses the same guy who who is Mountjoy, who is like the French herald all throughout the thing. Uh, so that was something he did to kind of link everything together. But he brings a gift from the Dauphin, which is meant to be an insult, and he opens this little case, and I remember my friend Melissa who I was watching the movie with was like tennis balls. And then the next line is tennis balls, my leash. <laughs> Uh And it's such a weird thing because you don't think of tennis of being that old or being right. in a, uh, a Shakespeare play. Um,
1: but you'd be thinking wrong.
2: You'd be thinking wrong. Um, here's Carla. Uh, is that Judy Drench? <laughs> Judy, <laughs> Is that Judy Drench? Judy Drench playing 50 years old for 60 years. I know that says drench.
0: (laughs) (laughs)
1: My stupid autocorrect kept making it drench. And sometimes my autocorrect, I'll go back to fix it and then I'll press the space bar and then it'll do the same bad spelling.
2: Yeah. Apple... Uh, Time for an update. Do you really think that people are, are texting more about drenching than about Dame <laughs> Judy Dench?
1: Or oh, just like once we fix it, don't keep doing it. Yes. <laughs> but then I get to a point where I'm like, look, I know that this says drench instead of dench.
0: <laughs> so...
1: I'm just going to let it go because I can't deal with this autocorrect.
2: I would have loved it if it was, is that Judy Drench? Judy Drench playing 50 years old for 60 years. I know that says Dench. <laughs> then you wrote, is this one of those movies where the French people sound British? And I wrote some of this French speak French and some of them speak Shakespearean English for some reason. And then you wrote, because Shalespear isn't hard enough to follow already. <laughs> Shakespeare. What the
1: fuck is Shale That might have just been a typo.
2: I believe that's a typo. Um, that sounds awfully. It sounds one letter off from Shakespeare. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the music in this is so good. Patrick Doyle, man.
1: Patrick Doyle. Let's talk about Patrick Doyle.
2: This is John
1: Dinerstein.
2: <laughs> this is maybe my favorite film score. Honestly. Wow. I love the music in this movie.
1: It's very similar to Much Do About Nothing.
2: <laughs> yeah. Maybe Patrick Doyle has only so many tricks in his yeah. uh, quiver. But I bought the soundtrack immediately after watching this movie. I used to listen to it all the time. I let Maria Blasucci borrow it a few years ago and have never gotten it back.
1: Oh, Maria.
2: Uh Also, that main Henry theme, the do, 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 do. Was used in every movie trailer oh, yeah. for the for the a couple years after this. We got
1: to talk about this because this drives me crazy when I'm watching a trailer. Like recently, let's say it's 2017. Sure. And I'm in the movie theater, and it's 2017. And the trailer gets going, and all of a sudden, I hear the soundtrack from The Hours, which came out in 2002. Uh
2: Uh-huh. Philip Glass.
1: It fucking drives me nuts, and it happens all the time.
2: It's because the trailers are cut way before the composer gets in to write the score, and so they're looking to harken back to some other movie that they want you to think of. But it is kind of like a subliminal trick, you know, if you don't know that movie, if you don't know the hours explicitly, but you still feel like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is, uh, this is making me feel something. Oh, I want to go see this because I right. like the hours. Yeah.
1: I mean, you wouldn't say that. You'd say, I got to stay away from that movie because I hated the hours.
2: <laughs> well, it's like those trailers that they cut together of like using Salisbury Hill by, uh, Peter Gabriel because yes. like that was used oh. in everything. <laughs>
1: We were in the theater and the guy in front of us after the trailer ended said, stop using that song.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Or how about there was literally a movie this year called The Only Living Boy in New York after that song had been used in every trailer for like a billion times. It's like, okay, at least now you're being honest that we're just like, yeah, we're just going to use this fucking Simon Garfunkel song and, and call it exactly that. But
1: that had an amazing cast. By the
2: way, yeah, but it got bad reviews. It looks poopy. It looked poopy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: tired.
1: <laughs> it's fine.
2: Uh, another thing that Branagh does in Henry V is he brings in some scenes from earlier in the in the tetralogy, uh, specifically the Falstaff. There's no Falstaff does not have any scenes written in Henry V. He does not appear as a character, but he looms so large over the. The history of uh, of Henry V that, uh, if you're a, uh, if you're a Robbie Coltrane fan, he appears as, uh, as Falstaff hmm. Hagrid from, uh, the Harry, from the Harry Potter movie. So it's also fun to see a pre Hagrid Robbie Coltrane, but basically, uh, he's also a big fat jovial guy. Is Ro-
1: Robbie Coltrane, oh, wait, who is, okay, bear with me, everybody. Yes. The redheaded guy who is in everything was in Star Wars. He's from
2: Domino Gleason.
1: Yeah. What's his dad? B- uh,
2: Brendan Gleason.
1: Brendan Gleason. That's a different person.
2: Yeah. But they're in a similar, like, same you genre. Know, person? Yeah. They're uh, Irish or Scottish uh, character actors that you've seen in lots of movies uh, right. from the UK and Ireland over the last several years. Yeah. I mean, I love both those actors. Um, so he kind of weaves in some of those Falstaff scenes <laughs> from the other plays, uh, into this. I think also a lot of that stuff in the original history play, uh, with Pistol, Bardolph, and Nim, and then Flewellyn, I guess, the Ian Holm character is meant to be kind of a parody of a Welshman, and that's played for laughs a lot as it's written, but in the movie, uh, Branna plays everything fairly straight and serious, which I think is good because a lot of that Shakespearean comic stuff does not play so well in in present day mm. um, I also love when he goes undercover and talks to his own troops, <laughs> and he 's basically a jedi right? he, yeah he 's basically old Luke Skywalker in uh in Last Jedi because he puts mm-hmm. his hood up. Uh, and then he has this little scene with uh, with Pistol where uh, he like defends the honor of the king to this stranger who actually is the king. And you get to see Brana acting with just half his face. You only see like one of his eye and half of his mouth. And like his reactions are so good. Yeah, there. Like
1: that kind of stuff was so interesting. And it wasn't something he would have brought over from the stage play, you know? Yeah. Like, it's all stuff he had to conceive of based on it being a movie.
2: Now, when it has that uh, shift at the end uh, to the romantic comedy, did that surprise you, the tonal shift of that? No. Oh, you saw it coming?
1: No, but it didn't surprise me.
2: (sighs) Yeah. I think I just, again, remembering back to that first time I saw it in the theater with my friends, we were laughing so much and we couldn't believe. And his, like, comic timing is so good in it uh when he tries to uh talk to her in french and his french is really bad and he's kind of stumbling over himself uh and he's like oh here comes your father Mm -hmm. uh it's so funny
1: i mean there's also that scene with her not to negate what you just said because i agree but there is that scene with just emma thompson and her lady in the middle that's comedic
2: i guess that sets you up for that Yeah. yeah
1: so it's it's not like it comes out of left field necessarily uh, I guess I just negated what you said. No, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I agree, but I just wanted to add that too.
2: I mean, I, I think both of those scenes kind of stick out as being tonally different than the, the rest of it. For but, sure, yeah. But yeah, we we haven't seen Henry uh, specifically doing that kind of uh, comic acting. Um, how about that St. Crispin's Day speech? We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. Uh, that's basically the the big game day speech he gives to his soldiers. That's one of the most famous speeches yeah, in Shakespeare. Yeah, the
1: Bill Pullman speech from whatever Independence <laughs> Day.
2: <laughs> I think they might have ripped off Independence Day for this. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. And then there's a and then there's a song in it too, like any good Shakespeare play. Oh yeah. Um. Oh, by the way, the soldier who starts singing the song, which is "Non nobis Domine." Is Patrick Doyle, the uh, composer. Oh,
1: he sings in another, I think he sings in Much Ado as well.
2: Because he started out as an actor before he was a composer. He was a friend of Brana's, had they had acted together in plays at the RSC, and then this was kind of his transition into being a, uh, a film composer. And, uh, Brana's used him, I think, every time since then, but then he also did what Sense and Sensibility, and, mm-hmm. um, he's worked for other directors since then.
1: Can I tell you a truth? Tell me a truth. I think I fast-forwarded
2: this part because I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Fast for- were you fast-forwarded? You fast-forwarded? Like I knew what you were talking oh, about. Oh, Carla. What did you miss then?
1: I think just this part. This is the only thing we've talked about so far that I don't remember.
2: Okay. So you remember uh, Henry giving the big speech to the soldiers, mm-hmm. and then they shoot some arrows, right? And the air. There's like tons of arrows in the air, and then all the French die. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. And then they come across Christian Bale's body. Yes. Yeah. So of like all the, well, I
1: saw him carrying it. I didn't see them find the body.
2: Okay. Well, he's angry that they killed the boys, you know, right. the boys that are just there to like load the guns or right. whatever. I got that. Yeah. Um, and then, so there's this big scene um, at the end of the battle the English, for some reason, have only lost 25 soldiers where all the French have died. Got it. <laughs> uh, somehow. And then he says, let's sing Non Nobis and Domine and uh, and clear our dead. And so he's kind of. It's, oh,
1: yeah. That's when I fast forwarded.
2: It's this long, unbroken shot of him carrying Christian Bale's body on his back. Uh, and there's this song, Non Nobis, Domine. domine. Oh, no. I saw this because
1: I remember him carrying Christian Bale.
2: Okay. What did you skip then? I don't
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got it. I know it's
2: Yeah, happening. yeah, you got it. I uh, got it. There's also this really nice scene after the battle with him and him and Ian Holm, um, where Ian Holm's kind of talking about the bravery of the Welsh soldiers, and Henry is like, "I am Welsh too," and Branagh's is kind of crying oh, yeah. as he's going through that. It's because really, he really
1: is. He really is life. Welsh.
2: Yeah, that's very nice as well.
1: I think yes, he is. Or no? Is he? I think he is. I don't or is know. he Irish? No, he's I, Irish. I think
2: about, he's of Irish descent, yeah, you're I believe.
1: Right. That's what it was. I'm Welsh.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Snowden is a very common yeah, Welsh last name. I'm Welsh. <laughs> yeah. There's a Mount Snowden, right? Mm-hmm. In the middle of Wales. Um, well.
1: Snowden is my maiden name. So that's my tr- right. My true name. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Your true name. Uh, yes, Carla Snowden. The form, Carla, Kikowski, nay Snowden mm-hmm. is how I should introduce you from now on. Um and then at the very end of the movie, you zoom out to reveal chorus one more time, and uh and he basically says, uh, Henry VI screwed this all up. You know, they lost France right away. I think Henry V only lived for another six or seven years. Bummers. After the events in this movie, and then their infant son, Henry VI, became king, and then they lost, uh, that union of the, uh, the kingdoms that, uh, Henry and Catherine created. By the way, scholars think that Chorus in the original production was played by Shakespeare himself.
1: What?
2: <laughs> cool. It is kind of cool. And then, that other tetralogy of this Henry the Sixth plays, which led into Richard the Third, those were actually written earlier, though they take place later in English history. So he had already written those four plays. So chorus at that end is kind of alluding to of like, and you know those plays, you know, oh, you've yeah. seen, you saw those plays already. You see that this all gets screwed up by Henry the mm-hmm. Sixth. Uh, so it's kind of an interesting downer note to end it on after they've already won this big battle and the, and had this big uh, marriage uniting the kingdoms. United Kingdom. Uh, Carla, Carlo, you want to give Henry V a letter grade?
1: Um, let's go with the B plus. A B plus mm-hmm.
2: Okay. If, that seems overly kind of you today. No. Okay. You liked it. Yeah. But it just but you're done with Shakespeare. Yeah,
1: I'm just done with Shakespeare, but I think it's a very well made film. Okay, good. And it stands for Branatastic. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was Branatastic. Uh, so it, it uh, it cemented your your love for Kenneth Branagh.
1: Oh, my love for Kenneth Branagh was already cemented. <laughs> <laughs> it did not ruin anything for me. Uh,
2: what else? Uh, what else do you like, man? Other than things that we've mentioned?
1: Oh my god!
2: What about we... Wallander?
1: Oh yeah, of course.
2: Totally. He was so good on that show.
1: Actually, he's probably the most subtle of anything. That's a very
2: subtle performance for him. Yeah. That's kind of like you know your your tortured detective. Mm-hmm. I think
1: they're still making new ones of those too.
2: I think they made like four seasons of – there's like 12 episodes total. But like total. over yeah. six
1: or seven years. Yeah. Um. I like that. What else do I like? Give me more. Give me more examples. <laughs> there's one about him being a writer, something about the dog, something. <laughs> my neighbors killed my dog. <laughs> that
2: can't be right. I have no idea what that is. Robin
1: Wright Penn is in it. Oh. Before – when she was Robin Wright Penn.
2: Yeah um My neighbor's killed my dog. That's, that can't be the okay, right Okay. Look it up, guys. <laughs> look it up.
1: He's great in that. Oh, Peter's Friends. Super fun.
2: I have not seen that in years. And it that's is
1: really fun. I did rewatch it, not maybe four or five years ago. And I you, still
2: liked do it. Do you own it? How can you find it? It's very hard to find.
1: I might have just watched it on YouTube. Okay. Just a few years ago. Uh,
2: I remember liking that really a lot fun. when I saw it. Yeah. I definitely saw every Branagh movie for a few years after this, and I think maybe he lost me a little bit on Frankenstein, uh, maybe because I wasn't seeing it at um, slumber parties with my girlfriends, which is the right. the real way to see that movie. Totally. <laughs> um And so I never saw that "Loves Labored's Lost." Uh, I think he's actually done a couple more Shakespearean adaptations. Didn't he
1: do Midsummer or my? mistaking that
2: they did do a midsummer film but i don't think he was no that's not what that i'm
1: talking about i think it was a more recent one okay. with bryce dallas howard oh not the michelle pfeiffer one i think that that's true
2: and then of course he did uh directed a couple of thor movies and uh and he's great in dunkirk uh which came out this year
1: i can't see that
2: why won't you see Dunkirk? I'm
1: tired of being sad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I but, know I
1: should.
0: But they
2: evacuated.
1: But, oh, I've heard. They got out. I asked my friend who. It's very
2: intense. Yes, it is very I intense. I
1: asked my friend Nick, Haddad. Hi, Nick. Mm-hmm. He doesn't listen to this, I'm sure if I should watch that movie because he had just seen it and he was like, if you want to have a heart attack for an hour and a half, then that would be the movie to see.
2: It's actually for a, for a war movie. It is mercifully short. It really is only an hour and a half, but it is nonstop for an hour and a half. It just puts you in the middle of the battle. And that's the entire movie. Um, we will be talking about it in our year end, uh, review because it's in my top five for the year, but that's fine if, uh,
1: Shoot, I have so much to watch.
2: You do have a lot to watch. You haven't seen The Florida Project yet. You haven't seen Call Me By Your Name. Yeah. Yeah, you got to get caught up. But we're teasing an episode that won't come out for a few weeks. Um, Carla, I still love Henry Fifth, and I think it's the highest rated movie that we've seen thus far on Craigslist. What does that mean? That means uh, I'm not moving it down under anything else. I'm keeping it right where it is.
1: Have you moved everything else down?
2: I've moved everything else down. No, I I re Oh
1: I see, because of where I re-rank, it is in the list. I re
2: rank okay. where I go. You know. I don't know if it'll be number twenty, mm-hmm. you know, because then we gotta watch, you know, a bunch more movies. It's number thirty seven right now, so we got thirty six more movies to watch. If there's others that I like less than Henry V, then it'll move up. Great. It might be even higher than thirty seven. I wouldn't be surprised if it does, because I really loved it this time. You want to improvise a scene? Yes. Okay. you want to play Catherine? Yes. Okay. And I'll play Henry. Okay. And I guess, you know, one of the funny things about that scene where he's wooing her is just like, please Kate, that I know that I love you. And it's like, you never met this lady. Right. Like you just met her a second ago. You you wouldn't even I, you, would you even have gotten a picture of her mm-hmm. at this point? So, uh they meet, he
0: woos her, they wed. And let's cut to the wedding night. Oh God,
1: uh, I've got a headache.
0: <laughs> Kate, your English is so beautiful and perfect. My
1: head uh, hurts.
0: Okay, you're, you're pointing to your elbow when you say
2: head. Elbow. N- yes, not the delbo, the elbow. You're pointing to the elbow. Is it your elbow that hurts, My or is it your that
1: hurts, or
2: your delbo? Okay, now you're pointing to your
0: head.
1: Mm.
0: Okay. But
1: I do not want to see you
0: well you you must see me, you must see me in all my glory Kate
1: no i'm uh, very uh, my... Mm, i am distracted
0: you are distracted by what by what well, prithee there are prithee so pay many pray many tell <laughs>
1: like for example i am um, I do not want to, you know, get too far too fast.
0: <laughs> but we we must, we must create issue. We must create uh, progeny. Is, issue. 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 We must God have. God bless you, Kate. We must have issue to uh, preserve our kingdoms. Oh. I must have an heir, a male heir. Kate. Issue. Yes.
1: I take issue.
2: No, don't take issue. I'm going to give you issue.
1: Please do not give me issue. I'm very I do not want to fight.
2: Okay. Did your lady in waiting tell you about this body part that I'm touching right now?
1: Um a finger?
2: Uh no, I'm not touching your
1: finger. Nail?
2: <laughs> That's yes. I'm I'm not touching your nail. Uh
1: nose? <laughs>
2: Yes, let's call it your nose, Kate. The yes. hip
1: bone connected to the tail. Bones. Oh, you have
0: witchcraft in your lips, Kate. The
1: knee bone connected to...
0: Are you just doing the lyrics to, to the dim foot. bones? What are you doing?
1: Dim bones.
0: And scene.
1: Man, my French accent could be better. I'll work on it for the next time we do this.
2: I thought you said my friend Jackson could be better. Well,
1: that too. Mark (laughs) Evan Jackson.
2: French accent. Um, Well, Carla, thank you for watching a a stage adaptation.
1: No, thank you. I think next week
2: I would like to (laughs) – because we are theater people – and we we love the stage. I want to stay on the stage for next week. And I think we're going to bring in one of our more theatrical, maybe the nerdiest uh, drama person that we know. Mr. Mark Gagliardi
1: Oh, is
2: going to come in next week and talk to us.
1: He's pretty nerdy.
2: He's very nerdy. He, musical theater nerdy. He's a musical theater nerd to watch a musical theater movie. This is a 1961 film. Uh, that won Best Picture. It won, I believe, 11 Oscars, including Best Director for Robert Wise and Jerome Robbins. This is an adaptation of a classic Broadway musical, uh, written by Leonard Bernstein and Stephen Sondheim. And it's called Company. (laughs) (laughs) It's called West Side Story.
1: Tonight,
2: the, it's the Jets versus the Sharks. Carla, are you team Jets or team Sharks? I'm team Shits. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, Craig's listeners, I'm please. I'm
1: team Sharks. Okay. Let's go.
2: Team Sharks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> jerks.
2: Okay. Uh, we uh, we will see you next week for Thanks a for little.
1: Thanks for putting up with me today, you guys. <laughs>
2: <laughs> for a little West Side Story with Craig and Carla and
0: gags
1: gags are bits
0: <laughs> the list is an absolute good the list is life